great homilist. I am not that, so I won't be able to do that for you. But preparing the homily, I do want to look at some of the statements of Jesus because it's what matters. And, uh, and really for us to better understand the mystery that we commemorate today, we really need to meditate on some of these statements, these words of Jesus and his passion as uh, put forth to us by St. John, uh, gospel. To begin, Jesus says in the gospel, uh, we hear, whom are you looking for? In this statement, Jesus takes the initiative with these words. And we hear about the guards. They say, we're looking for Jesus, the Nazarene. And Jesus responds, I am. He, Jesus, the Nazarene, presents himself to these guards. Calling him or anyone a Nazarene, you should probably know, was a bit of a dig. Remember the scriptures, what it said. Can anything good come from Nazareth? Jesus presents himself saying, I am. Which was a common way that he presented himself often in the scriptures. We're told as soon as the soldiers hear these words, they fall to the ground. Because Jesus' response reveals his identity. I am is the glorious name of God, Ezekiel 3.14. And now God's glory is revealed in Jesus of Nazareth, in humility of the Nazarene. And Jesus tells the guards, if you're looking for me, let my men go. Our Lord protects his own always, but he does not flee in the face of danger. He only thinks of saving his disciples, fulfilling his words that we heard. I have not lost any of those you gave me. He was speaking to his father. Now, of course, Peter, uh, impetuous as he is, Peter wanted to defend Jesus in this moment. And he wanted to do so with the sword. But Jesus tells him, put your sword back in its scabbard. Shall I not drink the cup that my father gave me? Recall Jesus previously had told Jesus, no, 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 such a thing won't happen. And here we are again, Peter. <laughs> Focusing on Jesus, Jesus expresses the strength of his love for his father. He knows the chalice he must drink is a gift from his father. Reflecting upon this, what great love. You must have great love in order to recognize in trials and sufferings our gift and a promise from the Father. We should ask our Lord, especially in our time now, with so much suffering with the pandemic, to help us to etch these words on our own hearts which can give us so much enlightenment and peace in our trials and sufferings, always to follow the example of Jesus. I look at Jesus' words to Pilate during the interrogation. You say I am a king. For this I was born and for this I came into the world, Jesus says, to testify to the truth. 
Everyone who belongs to the truth listens to my voice. These words of Jesus, not only directed to Pilate, but to us. When you think about it, it's an appeal to us. And he has been waiting for a correct response from us. As he waited from his disciples on that day, he invites us to discern if we are on the side of truth with no compromise whatsoever. The truth of which Jesus speaks is spoken throughout the Gospels and we are told over and over again by the evangelists. However, my friends, often at a funeral, people will pick the Beatitudes. And often I think they do not know why they are choosing that particular scripture for funerals. But throughout the Gospel, Jesus speaks the truth and that truth is condensed in the Beatitudes, Jesus teaches in those Beatitudes, blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are they who mourn. Blessed are the meek. And blessed are the merciful. And blessed are the clean of heart. Blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are they who are persecuted for the sake of righteousness. My friends, you know as well as I do, a culture of our world in many places disagrees. Happy are the powerful. Happy are they who do whatever they please, whenever they want, with no consideration to anyone else. And happy are those who have control over others and lord it over them. The truth of Jesus completely turns upside down all of those notions. And Jesus' total self-emptying, which is known in theology, speak as kenosis. His paschal mystery is proof of everything he ever did and said when he walked on this earth. Whoever stands on the side of truth should pay very close attention to Jesus' testimony. Jesus' words then come and my friends, I want to look at Jesus' words to his mother from the cross. Woman, behold your son. In this, Jesus bids his mother to make a painful separation from him. And only a mother or father could, only they could understand the pain and the suffering and what Jesus was about to ask of his own mother to let go of her physical motherhood. Jesus, crucified on the cross, gives everything over, a total self-emptying. And to be united with him, one must do the same. And he asks of his mother, Mary, give up everything and everything that she had was him, her son. But my friends, we are told by Jesus from his cross that he will draw all to himself, John 12, 32. And so Mary's standing, standing, not falling down, 
not kneeling, but standing with courage and faith in God, standing at the foot of the cross, loses Jesus of Nazareth. And as she gives up her physical motherhood, she subsequently receives a great gift of a universal motherhood. She becomes the mother of the church. She becomes the mother of those men and women who will accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. My friends, that brings us closer in John's gospel to the end. Jesus, before dying on the cross, says, I thirst. We are told that Jesus said these words, that scripture might be fulfilled, John 19, 28. In this, this example, Jesus' uncompromised obedience to his Father. Here, too, we should pray and ask our Lord to give us the grace to do the same so that we may desire and so become saints. Be obedient to the Father as our Lord Jesus is. My friends, for a final reflection, we look at Jesus' final words from the cross. He says, it is finished. I could not help but think about Genesis, though. On the seventh day, God completed the work he had been doing, it says. Genesis 2, 2. And here is yet another mystery for me in reflection. The mystery for which the death of Jesus would lead to the resurrection. In this, God completes his work, not on the world, but on us, giving us the fullness of life. Let these words be evident to us that our Lord our Lord Jesus loved us to the very end, John 13, 1. And he loves us for all eternity. Now everything is finished. His statement is true. There can be no greater act of glory for our Heavenly Father and for our own salvation than what our Lord did for us. But my friends, without faith, we will never begin to understand the meaning of what we read about. We look back at this event with the eyes of faith. We believe that on Calvary there was an intense explosion of God's love. As there was, we were told in Genesis, when he created all things, the Big Bang. God's love. And here again, for you, an explosion of God's love, an immense light had come into the world to show the meaning and purpose of life. A tremendous power had been released, the power of God's incredible love. On the night before he died, Jesus looked up to the heavens he saw amongst the stars of the night the Passover moon, the full moon. And he knew it was time for the fullness of God's love to come. 
the hour had come for him to pass from this world back to his father. He had loved his own in the world and would show his love for them to the end, to the very end, by hanging on a cross. And friends, I cannot imagine what even an all-wise and all-powerful God could do more to express and to communicate to you and I his great love for us in all things. If the events of Holy Week do not move you to a deeper faith and to a greater understanding of God's love for you, I really don't know what will so that we may never forget, but always grow in our appreciation of God. Jesus has given us the Eucharist, the sacrament of his Paschal mystery, the death of Jesus, which we commemorate on Good Friday, is a reality each and every time the celebration of the Mass. My friends, the cross stands at the turning point of human history. God's love poured out upon creation from the very beginning and was never, ever recalled. His grace was constantly offered to every, every human person and was never lacking to anyone of goodwill. And yet because of the death of his son, God entered into a new covenant with us. This covenant was a pledge of undying love, which was sealed in the very blood of his son, Jesus Christ. For our sake, Jesus opened his arms. Upon the cross, he put an end to human death and revealed the resurrection. In this, he fulfilled the Father's will and won for him a holy people, the people of the new and everlasting covenant. That is good. That is why we call today us to go beyond appearances and to see the death of Jesus as more than a tragic execution, but to see it as a wondrous sign of the love of a merciful and caring God. My, my friends, all of this is true. All of this makes for Good Friday. Once a year, we Catholic Christians celebrate the mother of all liturgies, the sacred triduum, which started last night. We celebrate the Paschal mystery in a special manner of three days, Holy Thursday, today, Good Friday, and tomorrow, the Easter Vigil. And although this one celebration encompasses three days in a reflection of the historical unfolding of these events for our salvation, the passion, death, and resurrection of Christ are one reality. There is only one Paschal mystery, always present before God the Father. Our liturgical celebration is more than a simple recalling of events of the past. It is a living memorial of the Paschal mystery. Through the liturgy, we enter into the very memory of God it is. And I quote from Hebrews 4.16 then, let us confidently approach the throne of grace to receive mercy and to find grace for timely help 
especially now in the place where the world finds itself, considering the great sacrifice of our Lord who loved us so passionately that he allowed himself to be buried in the earth for our sake. Is it asking too much that we then, in solidarity with him, bury our selfishness, our self-centeredness, our hatreds, our bigotries, and then live in a manner that bears fruit by bringing his love more into our families, into all of our relationships, into our communities, into our parish, into our city, into our state, into our country, into the lives of the poor and displaced that are always with us. And friends, you do not have to ask what each of these is in need of, the poor. In your hearts, you already know what they need. The very thing that God gives freely, love. They desire and need love. My friends, as I watched the liturgy from Rome and listened to the, the homeless of the papal house, the homeless of the Holy Father, uh, very wisely he drew parallels between Jesus in the tomb and his resurrection and coming out. And he said, when Jesus came out of the tomb, he did not go back to a regular life. It was completely changed, utterly different. And then again, that homeless today said, we too in this world will come out of the tombs of our homes to which we have been confined. And he said, let us then be like Jesus, coming out different, making a difference, fueled with light and love and hope and joy. Dear friends, the Triduan continues. It'll uh, continue. Uh, tomorrow, we will live stream tomorrow at 8.30 p.m. at sunset. Uh, my friends, uh, continue your prayers with each other. Uh, you are not alone, and we are together in this time. My friends, um, as it happened, one of which was for uh, a person who has fallen victim to COVID-19. And uh, my friends, as uh, the preparations were being made for me to enter into the facility, um, I was struck by the kindness of the facility director, the nurses who were, uh, had, been, um, had been calling out for the priest to come for a couple days. And uh, they finally uh, reached me uh, and told me it was time to come. Uh, but it was with the great care of these people uh, that I was struck. I was only in there for uh, five minutes, ten minutes tops. But they have to do this day in. How grateful I am that they are there. Um, and I understand the risks that they were going under. And as I left this, <laughs> uh, so uh, to all the medical staff and to all nurses and to all their support staff, to all those who are feeding the people in that facility. Um, and uh, once again, uh, for all at that clinic and for all uh, at St. Anthony Hospital, all the doctors, nurses, and support, uh, please know of our prayers and our great gratitude to you. And I remember also in this time, 
all the first responders, uh, military, and police, and fire, and medics, and uh, emergency personnel, in a very special way, the men and women of uh, the fire department of Gig Harbor, uh, and the police department in Gig Harbor, and uh, for all those who continue to care for the poor um, that we hear about all every single day, for those who are homeless and impoverished and are hungry, to all those who are working the food banks, and to, um, we offer our prayers uh, and our uh, by all the ways that Father Mark doesn't do it through social media, uh, through emails. Uh, you know how horrible I am at email, and uh, and through phone calls. And for all those who continue to come, they also risk, uh, and they come uh, so that we may have this beautiful liturgy and that we may worship together, um, no matter where we may be and we find ourselves. Um, I continue, and I continue to pray that God will fill you with his peace and that he will keep all of you safe and fortify you in all things.